Welcome to Guest Getter, the best place for restaurateurs to learn the art and science of getting more new guests, getting guests coming back more often, and getting guests spending more per visit so that you can be more profitable and do more of what you love. My name's Kyle Guilfoyle. Let's hit it. Today, I'm excited to have Carson Goodell on the show. Carson is the founder of FanFood, a platform on a mission to eliminate wait times. In today's episode, we're talking about how restaurants can reduce wait times, labor costs, think of some unique ways of advertising using simple tools and more. Let's get into it. Carson, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. This will be fun. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. So I'd like to begin with this question. Carson, how would you describe your particular area of expertise or your zone of genius? Um, I would probably say um, innovative or entrepreneurial. I'm a first-time technology uh, founder, and I came up with the idea, actually today, it's funny, my, uh, it's FanFood's six-year anniversary officially in business, but um, Congratulations. I came up with the idea while attending college. I was at a bar with some of my buddies and wanted the ability to order uh, food and beverage on my phone without having to uh, wait for a server to come by. And um, yeah. Fast forward, graduated with a degree in finance. And so I think, uh, you know, my mode of genius is, is entrepreneurial <laughs> grit, persistence, and, uh, you know, this uh, passion to, uh, you know, d- meet the mission of, uh, of fan food, right? And it's to, to eliminate, you know, long and frustrating wait times. Awesome. I, I love it. And so, okay, you're, you're exactly six years in. If you could go back, you know, to the beginning, what, like, you know, knowing what you know now, how, how would you, are there a couple of things, I'm sure there are a couple of things you would have done differently. Is there something that comes to mind right away? Uh, focus. I, I think I get, uh, you know, I have, I'm known as the idea guy, right? I have a lot of different uh, ideas that I can bring to the table. And oftentimes that, that can serve me well. And oftentimes, um, it's not right. And I've, and I think focusing on one market, on one product, one solution, nailing that uh, to the best of our capability before diving into other spaces. And I will give myself a little bit of a, a, a discount because, uh, you know, our, our initial kind of go to market thesis with fan food was to focus um, on large venue uh, capacities. And when the pandemic hit, because um, we, we just had launched a couple of years prior. Uh, to the pandemic, you know, we had made the decision to take our technology and pivot into to new markets that we felt um, other, you know, establishments could benefit from. Totally. Yeah. I'd actually, um, I think it's really unique how you, you started it. You, you started it for like stadiums and, you know, the concession stands at those stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. So, correct. So, yeah, how how did you apply that technology to you know to to bars, restaurants, and those kinds of businesses? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so you know the original concept, even the name of of fan food was originally called barista, right? And like I said, we came up with the idea at a at a bar, kind of a a crowded, high traffic bar that you could kind of walk up, 
you know, place food and beverage orders. Um, you'd have to wait in these really long lines. And we made the decision, co-founders and I made the decision to pivot to the sports and live entertainment space because we felt as diehard sports fans that the most frustrating pain point, you know, is, is missing a moment uh, because you were stuck waiting in a line for a hot dog and beer. And so like, and we had some data that supported that. And so there was um, Oracle Hospitality conducted this uh, report um, before the pandemic hit. And they found that nearly half of fans at sporting events will opt out of purchasing concessions due to those long lines. And so we're like, wow, that means a lot of lost revenue on the table for the folks that are responsible for operating those concession stands. And so let's, you know, we made it the company's mission um, to create the most frictionless ordering process from the user perspective, but also making the, the fulfillment or, you know, uh, side, the operator experience very easy and intuitive to use um, for any sort of uh, concession stand. And so, you know, we were uh, initially focused on kind of that medium sized venue capacity, um, not necessarily going straight to the big leagues uh, per se, because what we wanted to do um, is the first, our first actually rollout, our first test of the product was um, at my partner's high school. And so we had the iOS and Android app, allowed a fan to download it, they could place an order for their seat. And we only offered the express pickup service. So you'd get notification when your order is ready for pickup from the concession stand. And so that was kind of uh, phase one of the, uh, of the platform. Over time, we introduced the web ordering concept. So what the industry or the feedback that we got was, hey, guests don't want to download an app you know, don't, we don't want to download all these different apps. And so what we did was we created a web ordering experience that mirrored the same, you know, UI UX of the, the iOS and Android app. And what, you know, pre pandemic, those we were putting QR codes behind tickets behind seats, we were embedding that uh, web ordering experience on websites, and into existing team or venue kind of white labeled app solutions. So you would scan it, the QR code, your menu, your digital menu would come up. And then depending on the service that was offered, you know, over time we rolled out new services like in-seat delivery and the ability to order ahead before an event. And so depending on where you're at in that customer uh, journey would default to that service and the menu that's being offered for where you're seated. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what FanFood is at a high level today. It's an online, it's a digital ordering and fulfillment platform. And, and we serve large venue capacities and high traffic events. But um, obviously when the pandemic hit, we had to get pretty creative into new customers um, that we serve. Awesome. Yeah. And as, you know, as, as an advertiser, uh, it, you know, it seems, seems like there could be some really creative and exciting you know, ways to use it. Uh, for, for example, I, I think of, you know, having it on like a, a bus, a bus ad, you know, inside of the bus and the QR code is right there. And it's like, you know, what, what's for lunch today or something. And, or like a buy one, buy one, get one slice. If you're like a pizza shop and the person, maybe they're on their way 
you know, to work or whatever. And they can just like, they can make that order right then and there directly from the ad, no barrier. And, um, mm. and, and, and then also they, they eliminate the wait time. So uh, are you, do you, do you, I'm curious, do you, do you see clients use it all, at all directly in ads? I think it's a little bit more like gorilla E from a marketing perspective. So like one of the use cases, um, there was a big uh, candy brand that was really interested in um, getting non-candy buyers to become candy buyers. And we, we targeted a segment of the venues um, and they had an interest of targeting a certain type of uh, user. And what they wanted to understand was, and at the time, so before we did this marketing campaign, their candy was like number five, uh, ranked number five in the menu on, in terms of total sales. And so we implemented, uh, they wanted to know, can they influence non-candy buyers to become candy buyers? So, you know, start to think about what sort of impact does that have from a lifetime value perspective? They wanted to know through these ads, can we influence the timing of when people actually make purchases? So in your example of on a bus, right? Like, can we smooth out that curve, the, the peaks of when high traffic come in and create those long lines? Can we start to smooth that out? And then ultimately, like what impact does that have uh, from a revenue perspective? And so like what we did was, um, you know, because of our, you know, platform, and that's, I think, with the value that a lot of these platforms, as a, as a venue, restaurant, bar, what have you, you should be entitled uh, to that customer data. And so that's something that we provide to all of our partners, it's their data, and we just try to help them market it as best as possible. And so when we implemented this, we targeted a handful of different venues, and we targeted non-candy buyers um, with these advertisements, creative advertisements, and we would place their, these candy products, we would embed them into combos, we would A-B test pricing, we would A-B test, you know, we, all these sorts of tests. And the result or the outcome of that, that kind of campaign was they went from number five to number one, um, they, they, uh, they're their candy sales tripled. And what we learned was uh, that, yes, we actually can influence non-candy buyers to become uh, candy buyers. And so, you know, getting all of these kind of positive outcomes, it was a really validating uh, case study that, you know, we can now take back to future, you know, brand partners and advertisers to create that kind of experience. Um, so that's, that's awesome, yeah. and. And the, the, the other thing I, I've been thinking a bit about in terms of like the application of a tool like this is, 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 is in an actual bar restaurant where, you know, we, we have some, we have some market forces at play, right? Like, um, and I don't, yeah. So we, we have the, the labor market is, is, is a bit, it's tapped, you know, in, in many ways right now. And you have this idea of the great resignation and people are kind of, they're sort of flowing away from not just the hospitality industry, but many different kinds of work. And so we as restaurateurs need to look at ways to streamline our, our operations and use technology, you know, sometimes 
in in place of, of humans or, or or at least to sort of reduce their workloads so that we can be more efficient and um and so i'm 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 curious like are is is that what are you seeing restaurants use the tool in that way like like if we're in in-house in-house dining could, yeah could you tell us a bit about that yeah, no, it's definitely one of the, the the key kind of challenges. Again, I think there's a certain type of restaurant or bar where it makes sense to implement kind of an on-demand ordering um, experience. But in the instances where we have deployed our technology for those venues, again, we built our platform with the intention of serving large kind of venue capacities and high traffic events. Um, but we also believe like, it's important to you know democratize the technology so that such an amenity isn't just available for those big players. So I think that is important. And yes, when the pandemic hit, there, you know, restaurants came to us not necessarily with the goal of you know eliminating long wait times, but they were like, we are challenged with finding front of house staff to serve our customers um, in a socially distanced way. And so one of the examples is. Um, we're headquartered in Chicago, and there is a kind of a high traffic uh, restaurant spot on the Riverwalk in downtown called the Tiny Tap. Um, as a guest, you can walk up, and there's typically a long line during the summer to they have like just a, a, their own bar where you can you know place order you know place a you know get order some drinks after you wait in that long line, and then you you know kind of can casually you know, socialize with, you know, friends and things like that after work alongside the river. And it's really fun kind of spot to come and hang out. And they oftentimes have music and, you know, live music and stuff. They also have 25 uh, tabletops where um, there is a host and the host will seat you at one of the tabletops. Um, but they had, uh, prior to implementing fan food, they had about five servers supporting the 25 tabletops, five to one. And so um, this past summer, they were challenged. And one of their bigger challenges was we want to, you know, be socially distanced. That's important. So we feel that our, you know, the, by implementing like an A-frame with a QR code that can scan, we can offer multiple storefronts. So a full F&B menu and a bar menu. And we can allow kind of an express pickup ordering experience for the bar so people don't have to wait in long times. But to your point in the value proposition around kind of streamlining your labor and the efficiencies gained through it, they went from you know, five servers supporting 25 tabletops to really just needing one uh, person or one server supporting all 25 by implementing our mobile ordering um, web and mobile ordering solution for delivery. Um, again, it's more of kind of that on-demand experience where you scan a QR code, um, you put items into your cart, and then you check out with Apple Pay or Google Wallet, depending on the phone that you're using. That's kind of the, the default, but um, you know, you pay for it, uh, and the and and you can. There's an optional tip setting before you even actually get your food, which is kind of a different experience than I think what most restaurants are used to, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I, I think it's, it's, it's super cool. And, um, and it, it reminds me, we, when we were uh, 
chatting a bit before here, one, one of the things that came up and I'm, I'm sure some of the listeners are going to like absolutely hate this idea, but, um, but we were talking about like, you know, the, the need to innovate new models when in many ways the, the model of the restaurant is, is, is broken. And, and one of the, one of the ideas I got a few months ago from, from my friend, Kyle Voris, uh, was the idea of, of the, f- the restaurant that offers free food and, um, and it can offer free food because it is monetized by advertising. And so, uh, you know, you, you have ads in the restaurant, um, and, and, and that's how it's monetized. And, um, and I just, I think if you were to have a model like that, you, you need, it needs to be hyper-efficient. And one of the ways it could be hyper-efficient is by having, you know, fan food in there. And so I, I bring this up because I'm, I'm curious, uh, like, could, could, could you see a model like that working or is it just like ridiculous? To think of it, a concept where 100% of the food is free, I think is a bit of a stretch. Now we kind of did do that, right? With this candy campaign where part of that, that advertising campaign, there was a, one of the products there was new packaging around it and they actually provided and we influenced the menu a little bit. And by putting one of the candies um, and it was free, we provided it as a free solution uh, to the venues that wanted to participate in the campaign. And really the goal of the advertiser, the brand partner was to really to just get feedback on the packaging um, you know, the, the packaging of the, of the candy label, you know, there's three, three simple questions. And so, you know, what we did was we implemented a, a, a user feedback loop. So after a user purchased that candy, that specific candy, um, we would ask them, you know, those three questions. And then we ultimately gave, provided that feedback back to the, the advertiser, but you never knew. And it was only incremental revenue for the participating advertiser. And so, you know, take that idea and multiply it by 10, right? Could you do that for, um, you know, new, new products or new food items that you want to serve your, you know, serve customers um, in addition to um, other things, right? Like I totally see that um, being, you know, possible, right? Like having small, uh, you know, local, let's say local vendors that want to offer, you know, specialty items at a popular restaurant, perhaps there is a, there is an opportunity where through, you know, this web ordering solution, you could easily create a separate, you know, customized category in the menu. And it could be like local favorites and maybe they're all free in our solution. We actually have the ability to offer free products in addition to price products. And so perhaps there is a, there is a unique workflow that, could be done there um you know yeah maybe hybrid start, but i think it's a really interesting and creative concept yeah and you could and it could also be kind of like a like a focus group too right you know because because people are, are getting free food you know <laughs> they food. can't yeah you know you, yeah you could you, you totally like you mentioned you could offer yeah different diff, new products and it could be like part of you know different product launches and i i brought it up with a with a buddy of mine um a couple of days ago and and he had a very valid point, which was, you know, I, I wouldn't want to build uh, a business that 
was just attracting people who just wanted free stuff. And so, you know, you could, you could make it like a, like a, maybe a membership model or something where they, you know, they pay X dollars every month, but then they, you know, they can access the establishment. So I'm not going to reference the rest. So there's a restaurant that I live by here that, and we, you know, my family and I loved going to this restaurant and we're very like, we're probably top three best customers for this restaurant because we're always going. And one of my favorite foods was the turkey burger, like the meal with the turkey burger. And they're about six months ago the the experience the quality of the food completely changed they brought in a new vendor they didn't let anybody know and i don't know the reason why perhaps it, they were looking at you know cutting costs to work with a new vendor or what have you but the, it just tasted different wasn't as good you know what does that lead to poor you know poor guest experience and so like before just you know implementing that what you could do by you know through a solution like fan food is you could offer the same staple foods right and you're like yep i want that turkey burger burger i click on it and then in that menu maybe it provides you different forms of hey we're thinking about working with this new type of turkey burger if you check that you know for your add-ons like a combo ups you know upsell almost then we'll then this whole item could be discounted or free to your point and the feedback collected if you're willing to try that it's still the staple food but now it's it's a different ingredient from a different vendor perhaps um it now is free or discounted if you're willing to provide some feedback and like you know, from a user experience perspective, that only adds an additional, you know, one or two clicks. So it's, you know, it's still that same kind of frictionless guest ordering experience, but now you are like opting in to trying, you know, something a little bit new or, or, or differentiated. And so you could probably implement something like that um, as like a crawl, walk, run phase to, a, to something like that. Totally love it. And one other curiosity I had for you was, you know, I I still notice quite a few restaurants who have a pretty strong aversion to online ordering and delivery and that sort of thing. And I know that that's something that you, you help restaurants with, and you also probably have quite a bit of data around that. And so I'm just, I'm kind of like, I, I just wish that when I heard a restaurant be like, nah, we we're not doing online ordering. I, I could just, you know, kind of just have like in my back pocket, some data around what the opportunity missed is and, and um, just, just to share with it with them. And, you know, they could take it or leave it. But do you, do you have any, any data that kind of just like gives an idea of like what the, you know, the kind of missed revenue is by just not having online ordering and delivery? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say because, like, I think the the original, like, when people tend to think of, especially like restaurant, you know, owners, um, when they think of like online ordering, they think of third party uh, delivery companies that you know have you know the business model has been challenged um, pretty heavily, right? Because mm-hmm. they their whole value proposition is it's more marketing driven. Like, we're going to bring you new customers that otherwise wouldn't have um, ordered. Or eaten at your establishment 
And so therefore we're going to charge, you know, a pretty heavy commission because we're bringing you new, they keep a lot of that, that data, um, right? And there's also, there's, but they're, they're, the primary business model is that these third-party um, delivery kind of companies provide the, the last mile staff or, you know, and so it's, it's tough to, to get those to be profitable from a, from a business, you know, perspective. And so I think just because it's, and, and what I think restaurant operators and owners learned pretty quickly is that it's not necessarily, yes, it might be bringing new customers. Yes, it might be driving top line, but it is, it, is it profitable? Um, is, it, is it driving incremental revenue? And I think, um, you know, it, that's where the clash has been. And so like, you know, with our platform, again, it, it's, it was originally built for, everything was supposed to be like done on premise even like delivery. So we, we provide a, a runner application where runners, um, we don't provide the staffing. We just have the, the digital tools where runners can manage in-seat or you know, delivery orders that can track monitor tips and communicate with the customers for first level support issues. Um, but our primary business model, one, we don't take any commissions on any sort of digital order that's generated. And it's more of a SaaS solution. So if you're a small, small mom and pop uh, shop, you know, to get started with fan food, you're talking, you know, hundred bucks a month and a small, like nominal, like fixed fee for like the payment processing, like less than 50 cents. And so like pretty reasonable um, and, it, and it allows you to, you keep all your customer data, right? Which is a pretty valuable thing. And you can enable uh, pickup, delivery, you can enable order ahead for pickup or delivery. And so if you want to say that's curbside pickup or drive through or whatever, um, the technology that we have can kind of provide any sort of that, that service. And, and I think there's other platforms, especially in the, in the restaurant space that have focused on not being like a third party, you know, uh, delivery company rather being that that you know first party solution for those restaurants and and changing the the restaurant um, business model and so I think um, although it, the original concept of online ordering kind of left a bad taste uh, no pun intended I think that's changing I think that's changing yeah yeah the way I the way I approach online like third third party tools is they're just you know it's they're they're just like another customer acquisition tool, like, like, like Facebook ads or whatever. The, 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 the problem is, is most, most tend to approach it. Like it's, you know, just based on the one-time transaction. So you, you get, you know, like you assess it because, Oh, I get an order, but then, you know, this third party company takes 30% of it. Therefore, like it eats into my profit instead of, you know, understanding that the goal is always, it's never to get a customer one time, it's to get a customer again and again and again. And so you need to have mechanisms in place in which you can capture that customer and then you own it. Uh, that sounds terrible, but then you like, you own their data and therefore you can be in communication with them and, you know, you can own the rest of that customer journey. So um, yeah, like I, I love, I, you know, I, I think fan food is really cool. I, I believe it's, it's tools like fan food that will, sort of stack and come together to help innovate the, the industry and, sure. and move it forward. And um, so, so, 
so kudos uh, to you on that. I, I'd love to I'd love to wrap this up with um, with what I call a little little rapid fire session of totally random uh, questions that are you know kind of neither here nor there. Are you are you game for that? Love it. Let's go. Okay. Uh, what, what's your favorite cocktail? Moscow Mule. Who do you have a favorite drink here? Um, no, not necessarily. Okay, I like Grace's. It's really nice and nice and nice and punchy. Um, what uh, what's your favorite online tool? My favorite online tool. Can you be a little bit more specific? Like, like for, you know, your like day-to-day productivity. Um, probably, I mean, like our whole business communicates over Slack. And I think like that has completely changed the way, like we interact from a business perspective with our employees. Um, so I think that's like an amazing, like communications tool. Um, so I'm gonna go with Slack. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. one. What uh, what book or resource has had the biggest impact on you? Um, the first one that comes to mind is um, Daniel Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think the way that Daniel Carnegie writes is it's very easy to read practical content that um, is timeless. And so like, Oftentimes I'll find myself like reviewing certain things um, in those books and um, continuing to give myself nuggets of, uh, of knowledge through, through his wisdom. So I love it. Have you, have you ever read how to stop worrying and start living? Yes. It's, it's sitting right next to me and I'm uh, yeah, I just, I just like will pull chapters out of those books and just, and just, you know, read them. Uh, Cause they're just, yeah, they're very practical. Yeah, I, I uh, one of the things I find most inspiring about that book is is how he wrote it. He was, you know, he was an instructor, yeah. like at like he he wanted to be a writer, uh, and so he found a job that you know he could like would let him write during the day. So he was teaching courses at the YMC at night. And in order, this is my favorite part. In order for this, and I know you know this, I'm sharing this for the audience. But in order for those courses to continue, they had to work which is so, so, so different from like a university course, right? Like it's just all theory, you right. know, like, whereas his, his courses, like they, you know, they actually had to help people uh, stop worrying and start living, or they actually had to help people win friends and influence people. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and, that, and that's how he, you know, he wrote those books just based off of, you know, the lessons he was giving. And so I, I just love that way of creating something on the court. Um, so awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so what's finally, what's, what's next on the horizon for you? What are you most excited about, uh, in 2022? Um, from a business perspective, we are looking at, um, you know, I think what, what COVID has done has accelerated, uh, consumer behaviors in support of, what was already a trend, um, and that is moving, uh, going toward cashless, more towards ca- cashless. Now we just call it contactless, and so um, it, it, it's definitely true because we've seen like the percentage of people that will use our technology during an event or inside a venue has gone up 
uh, dramatically year over year. And so I'm excited because now our, our core customers and partners are making decisions that um, predict that what we have will soon become the majority of, of how payments are processed. And I think that's something that's super exciting to me. And we're in the process of executing some, you know, pretty big partnerships to, to help, you know, scale the platform. Uh, I'm excited about building a profitable and sustainable business, especially now we're going on year six. Um, I think that's important and um, not one that just relies on top line revenue, but is, is profitable and sustainable and can, can get through the, the, the highs and lows of, of anything, right? And so um, I'm excited about that. From a personal uh, perspective, I had a goal for myself to lose 30 pounds and I'm already halfway there. Um, I've already lost 15. Um, so I'm happy at, with the progress that, that I'm making uh, personally um, and prioritizing my, my health and fitness. I think that's important too. Love it. Love it. That's, that's great. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, Car Carson, where, where, where should we send people? Where can they go to connect with you and learn more? Well, if you're a, a business owner that's interested in implementing our platform or learning more, you can send me a direct note at Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N, at fanfoodapp.com. Um, happy to find some time and connect. You can connect with us on um, by following us on all the you know relevant social media platforms. I think we're most active on LinkedIn, uh, providing kind of thought leadership, helpful articles, uh, best practices of how other some of our customers are leveraging the platform and and constantly creating new ways to offer our solution and, and new creative use cases. So there's always stuff to, that I think worth following. Um, and you can obviously learn more by visiting our website at www.fanfoodapp.com. Awesome, Carson. Thank, thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, totally. All right, we'll catch you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Guest Getter. I'm your host, Kyle Guilfoyle. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As always, you can head over to guestgetter.co to check out the resources in this episode's show notes and sign up for our weekly newsletter. That is it for today. We'll see you next time.